Dogs of Warcry is a new podcast from the Mortal Realms, focusing on Warcry, a fast-paced, cinematic skirmish game by Games Workshop. Join us for discussions on gameplay, rules, lore, painting, terrain building, campaigns, and events. In Episode 8, we're going to talk about rolling solo while facing the challenges of isolation. We'll discuss a variety of ways you can still keep your models moving. Welcome to the Warband. My name is Eric, and answering the call with me this week is Josh. How are you doing? Excellent. Thanks so much. And also with me is the illustrious Paven. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, we're going to jump right into the Forge of Mithraxis because it's warm, because the fires are hot, the anvils are ringing... Haven, why don't you kick us off with what you've been working on? I would love to. Um, after like a few weeks of really grinding it out, I feel like I'm finally f- making some good hobby progress here. I finished those pesky clones for the Conquest Last Argument of Kings game. So those are off the queue. Feels really good. I think I kind of like over overpurchased. And so now I'm digging out of that hole. Also made a bunch of progress on Gitzville, which I'll, we'll talk about more in the Circle of Paint. Um, but, you know... Uh, give you a little bit of something uh i have everything painted or like base coated and washed and dry brushed and we just kind of i'm picking out a few details actually not everything's washed because i'm running out of agrax earthshade and it seems like the global supply of agrax earthshade is uh dwindling so i i don't know if i have enough to get over the finish line there Uh, but otherwise it it looks fine on a table I, i played on it um and then I have ridden that that momentum, and I primed my Seraphon for my next Warband. I actually picked up the Seraphon book, but I wasn't going to open the book uh, until I was ready to paint the uh, Warband to get some like narrative excitement and synergy and painting synergy working. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to crack that book today. So I'm very excited, awesome. very pumped, um, hoping to make some progress on that later. Nice, nice. Well done. Josh, Yeah, how's your uh, progress been? It's been a, been a lot of fun doing a lot of uh, kind of different projects to kind of balance working on the circle of paint. Been working heavily on that, but I've also been spicing it up by printing some uh, some other terrain for future Warcry projects or other games, like a, a mine entrance, uh, some rocky pillars. Also found a, a nice... 3D files for printing an arena to use for Warcry, and I started printing a few things off on that to check it out. So it's been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to getting some more of that stuff done and worked on after I finish my Circle of Paint Challenge. Nice, nice. I have also been jumping around to a few things to avoid my Circle of Paint Challenge. Uh, Not really, but uh, just a lot of things have been inspiring me. Obviously, we're talking about solo games, and one of the games that I played had Trogoths in it, and I happen to have three river uh, Trogoth or Fellwater Trogoths um, mostly assembled. Um, And so I used this opportunity to get them put together and um, playing with a watermelon scheme. Uh, I see it with a lot of uh, Nurgle paint schemes where you've got like a lush pinkish red and then the the greens. Only these guys are just bright green, emerald green and uh, pinkish bellies and uh, little watermelon seed warts everywhere 
So, uh, yeah, having fun painting them up in a bright color and, and fun basing. I did get a chance to put a few more uh, Jukari drawn uh, ships together. I'd been putting together, uh, collecting uh, the pieces I needed for my ironclad. And I finally got to some tinkering on that, uh, cutting and gluing. And it's really taken some good shape. Um, I've got a couple more grub haulers, um, which are the small ships. And then uh, kind of my the step that becomes scratch built is the large fins and um and that sort of stuff. So I'm working on those. And then uh, I've gotten a little bit of work building up my shantytown, which we'll talk about in a little bit. All right. Uh, path to glory. Why don't we talk about uh, the games that we've gotten in? Uh, I haven't gotten in many. Uh, all the games that I've gotten in since the last episode were uh, games played to kind of research and and uh, bone up on the solo gaming. Um, we found a few sources. So that's what I've been up to. I did play it with my kids, not solo. Uh, because he got to entertain, but uh, we all kind of played on one team while the the bad Trogoths played on the other. Um, so uh, that 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 was good for family building. Uh, Josh, how about you? What were you playing this uh, past couple of weeks? Yeah, no, uh, my stepson Ben and I were able to get a game in for the campaign and played again some Zine Charkonites versus his Legion of Nagash and, and pulled out a win. And we uh, figured out that uh, I have nine models and nine is Zinch's you know, magic numbers. So maybe that's why they're doing so well against Legion and Nagash so far. But I'm going to keep going with it. <laughs> I also uh, did two solo games for uh, research for this particular podcast with the Zine Charkonites versus my Cypher Lords. And uh, yeah, they, they, the Zine Charkonites trashed Cypher Lords in both those games. So, you know, it was just, you know, probably due to the solo rule sets a little bit, but, uh, but I think they're still on a roll. Awesome. How would you, Pavent? Yeah, so I played I played a solo game um, with my Iron Jaws versus my Ideneth. I rolled up an Iron Jaws Warband kind of to start fresh. They are uh, Drog's Bone Crutches. Um, all my Iron Jaws are kind of roughly my Iron Jaw uh, Warcry lore is to kind of they're all they're all looking looking for uh, Admiral Sailfin. So they're all like trying to like hunt down elves and interrogate <laughs> them and figure out where that that pirate is. Um, so that's why I wanted to play against the Ideneth. Uh, it was a super fun game. You know, it took a while to set up, and uh, but I, you know, I played it in my basement nighttime. Everybody was asleep. Uh, it was pretty fun. I, you know, I got to smash uh, smash those elves right off the table. So that was cool. Uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> now we've been dancing around this for a little bit, and that's the circle of paint. Um, and uh, what we're going to jump in first with uh, kind of our progress, and then we'll let you know kind of what our plan is. It's shifted a little bit. Paven, why don't you kick us off with uh, with your town in it? You've given it a new name. Sure. Uh, so Gitzville is uh, under construction. It's almost ready for its grand opening. Um, so to uh, the way I'm building it up is I started with the Azerite ruins and the Lunashine, which I've already painted. Um, some of that Azerite ruins has been more Gitzified than other pieces. But on top of that, I am adding the set of um, Goblin Town for Lord of the Rings, which is pretty much just like wooden platforms plus like the scaffolding supports, um, as well as like it comes with a ladder. I've since added four more ladders to give it like so you could really go up and down those platforms and use those ladders with the Azerite ruins. And so it's supposed to be kind of a really like shambly kind of fort set of terrain. Um, and so that is all it's all base coated. It's all dry brushed. It's kind of I'm waiting on a wash. Um, 
and that's that's where it sits right now. It, you know, it's it's I could you know it's it's submittable to a you know podcast painting challenge. Um, to take it to the next level, though, like uh, by next level, I mean like B minus to B. Um, I probably I would like to add more um, like natural elements, whether those are like rocks or like small plateaus, to add a, more height to it, or you know more choices. Or even uh, some like kind of trees from like the Sylvaneth um, wildwood range, and that would uh, kind of you know uh, kind of balance out the more constructed elements from there. That's it. That's all I got for sure. Uh, I didn't realize you thought so low of our challenges that they would be any less than the most prestigious. Um, hey, a B maybe is just a, the difference between you and me. A, a B is good for me. <laughs> Uh, Josh, how have your progress been? It's been great. I've uh, been uh, got a su- couple more coats of, of color on my the channels on the boards, and I think I've got a color now that I like. I uh, finally got all my the, the remaining fifteen columns dry brushed and washed, and now I'm doing all the recess washing, and I've got two more rounds of recess washing with purple and blue to kind of bring that out and then a last dry brush. So, really working hard to get that done. But I have been able to uh, to cast some brick walls and some piles of skulls and some other elements that I can use for scattered terrain on the boards as well. And uh, worked on a couple of different moss techniques and I think I found one that should work really well. So I'm excited to get that done as well. So just lots, lots to do yet, but uh, making a lot of good progress and just need to kind of buckle down and, and uh, nail that out in production style. Very cool. Um, yeah. I've uh, last episode, I talked about, um, the trials of uh, taking a house and cutting it in half uh, and then uh, changing my mind and gluing it back together. Um, I uh, did a little bit more on that where I cut a chunk of the roof off so I could glue another building on top. Uh, so that's kind of how my build is going uh, a little bit one direction where it's like, you know, two steps forward, one step back. Um, but uh, yeah, it's coming together. I've got a, kind of my main building that I was, you know, kind of in my vision, the main thing in the middle with the windmill on top. Uh, is coming together. Uh, and then once that piece is there, I'm kind of trying to figure out where does that get placed in relationship to the wall? Is it up against it? Is a little further out, you know, kind of jutting out towards the middle. Um, I think I've got it in a place where if you deploy in the middle, you could get all the way to the top, uh, deploy all the way to the top three inches out. Um, and then and build up all the stuff around it back towards the wall and figure out where all the pieces go. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, interesting. It's, it's, uh, challenging, uh, and I'll, I'll see what, where I can get to, uh, when we, uh, call this good. And in fact, that's a good segue. Uh, what we've decided to do is extend our time working on this by two more weeks. Um, and, uh, even though this is the last episode of the season, season two, episode eight, um, we're going to give ourselves an 8.5 or a, a bonus episode uh, where we're just going to talk about the circle of paint. Uh, we're just going to talk about kind of the stories, the the where we ended up uh, and all that kind of stuff, and then put out um, our pictures, our photos uh, for you to judge, for you to, to vote on and see where we end up. Um, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Uh, thank you for giving us a couple more weeks, uh, listeners, uh, and not being too hard on us. Um, I'll also thank my co-host for not being too hard on me. <laughs> um, yet uh yeah now i think oh guys guys my head ow oh the pain 
the pain. There's something at the back of my eyes. It is, it is some sort of madness, a, a vision of madness. Paven, please extract this vision from my head. What are we seeing out of GW? <laughs> that was really great. I was, I, was, I was immersed. I was immersed. I didn't know how to follow it up, though. I should have thought that far ahead. I don't know if I was supposed to be the vision or not. But I don't want to take away from the the, the huge news we've gotten for Warcry at the last Warhammer preview. Um, we've gotten a three three and a half ish models revealed, but they're super important. I'll tell you why. But first, I want to get to these models because the most because the first thing I want to talk about is how dope they look. Now they are the warband that was revealed is the Knight Shadow Stalkers. Um, they are. I'll, I'll just describe the, the miniatures very quickly. We got a dual wielding crossbow dude uh, elf with a cloak. We have another elf that is like throwing a cloak that is like disappearing into a like shadow effect. And then we have what we think is the leader, who is a, got the kind of uh, is floating in the air, has swirling shadows around them. They have a really dope uh, kind of long dagger slash sword that's made of like an obsidian or a sharpened rock. They have a staff in the other hand, a mirrored mask. Uh, just very cool, very great sculpts. And I want to talk about, oh, and then we also see, we also have a picture of an alternative sculpt for the dual wielding crossbow guy to have a blade and a flaming fist. So still super dope. Looks great. Um, why this is so cool is because this is a new warband and it's a non-chaos warband um, and it's kind of showing us the kind of what the future is going to be like for Warcry. So now that we have like we you know before Warcry was specifically a lot of new chaos miniatures. I think every new mini we got was chaos aligned. Very cool, but now they've blown it wide open and we could the pattern will be can be any you know can be from any grand alliance any small corner of the mortal realms they want to check out so this this warband isn't necessarily like a you know a alliance perfectly with an army it is its own special thing that they are the assassins and spies of Cain for Morathi so they're allied with the daughters of Cain but they're not like a daughters of Cain warband these are for one thing, there is men. So it's like almost it's, uh, you know, kind of a different new thing that's going to get explored. Um, and so here here is here are my hot takes. Um, one, I think we're going to get a new starter box. They're going to come with signs of the flame and the new starter box is going to call it be called Shadow and Flame. That's my fir first prediction. Number two is we're going to get, they're going to go through all the mortal realms again. So there's going to be eight war bands. They're going to be each from a different mortal realm. The uh, this warband is uh, from Ulgu Shadow, but we're going to be able to explore all those. And I think the slice of the eight points we're going to be working in is between Akshi and Ulgu. So hmm. that's those are my thoughts. Very exciting. What do you guys? How do you guys feel? That's good predictions. Yeah, it's hard to follow that up, but yeah, I think this is you know probably uh, the first set of Cities of Sigmar type models that we're getting. So maybe we won't really have something associated with that battle tome. But we'll have lots of smaller factions like like these particular models that fill those niche. But I'm really excited about it. It's awesome. Yeah, I've, I'm really impressed by um, the kind of the flowing cloaks and the way they've ripple effect that makes you kind of not sure where the cloak ends or shadow begins, um, which is a super interesting uh, solution for that because you know you could just be confounded and not know how to 
to do something like that. So I think it works really well. Uh, there's some elements that also look very snake-like, um, which is cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm on board with all those predictions. I think uh, it's definitely showing us that they've got plans. They've had plans uh, to go beyond chaos. Um, and uh, that this is just, yeah, more amazing, unique stuff coming down the pipeline. Yeah, so just this last uh, weekend in the same preview that we saw the new Warcry stuff, uh, we got a release of the Sons of Behemoth, uh, which is a new battle tome that's coming out for Age of Sigmar. And with that are uh, is a try uh, kit um, for the Mega Gargant, and it comes in uh, three flavors. I don't have the flavors in front of me. One, uh, one is uh, a War Smasher, and one's a Wall Breaker. Um, I believe something to that effect. And they're about 50% taller than, um, than the previous gargants. So I do think we're going to see them in, uh, I don't know if it's going to be a white dwarf. I think they're going to get featured in whatever next, uh, monster and uh, mercenary book that comes out or something to that effect. I think they're going to, I think they're going to feature pretty well in, in something. I think they'd be a great, um, uh, AI, um, type of thing. So, um, as we're talking about that upcoming. Um, all right. Uh, any other thoughts on the Mega Gargants from you guys? No, no, not at the moment. All right. Why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we will talk about going it solo in Warcry while we're in isolation. The victory condition is coming up. But before we recorded our thoughts here on the podcast, we discussed them on our Discord channel, an inclusive, creative place to share your own path to glory and a circle of paint. Come join us for conversations before they become topics on the podcast at themortalrealms.com forward slash Discord. Time to get back onward to victory. Our victory condition this episode is is to discuss the ways we can still play Warcry while isolated at home. We'll discuss some solo rule sets that we found across the webs, the adventures which pit your warband against creatures or another warband, and our hope is that you will be inspired to try out some of these rules or make them your own. If you play some solo games or come up with scenarios, please share your experiences with us uh, so that we can all enjoy the game in these strange times. We're going to kick it off. Uh, Pavend, you uh, were able to play a particular rule set. Why don't you tell us where you found it, uh, where people can, our listeners can find it, and then talk us through your experience. Uh, sure. Okay, so this is called The Lonesome Road, which is a great name for a solo Warcry expansion. And it was created by Doug over at Two Up Tough on YouTube. Um, great uh, lore, narrative gamer, uh, very, very nice dude, pillar of the community. Uh, thank you, Doug, for your rule set. Okay, um, so what's great about Lonesome Ro- Road is it's really, I think, focused on like kind of making it easy and engaging to play. Um, so uh, I'll just kind of go through like yeah, what what he does here is uh, he limits the victory and the twist cards to the ones that make the most sense for a solo game. So like it gives you a list. Um, like there's four pages of rules here. He gives you a list of the victory cards you want to use and the twist cards you want to use. So you just kind of take out the ones that aren't in there from your deck before you draw. Um, For making the battle groups for your opponent, you just roll a dice and assign them. It's pretty straightforward. Um, 
Yeah, I guess before we get into kind of like the the detailed choices, Josh, like kind of what are your overall thoughts on Lonesome Road? You played that as well. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's a well designed rule set, and it does make it fairly simple to play. Um, I think he does a good job of making some choices just simple, like you are always the red color for deployment. Okay, great. You don't have to worry about rolling or whatever else. So, but yeah, I thought it was a, a well put together rule set. I, I did enjoy playing it. Mm-hmm. And the way, like one of the 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 things you got to figure out with all these solo rule set is like how do you control the opponent, like the 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 NPC warband. And um, for this one, there is a you know a, a table you roll on. Um, different behaviors like AI behaviors, depending on whether you're close to the the close to in your models or the enemy of that warband's models or mid range or far away. You kind of have a different set of behaviors there. And I think what's really great on here is that the a lot of the well, I think there's two I think really good choices. One is that the the opposing warband doesn't use abilities. Like you don't have to worry about those. And then two is that in their in their behaviors, they get to break the rules a little bit, either like make a third attack or get extra strength and uh, dis- movement distance on a kind of charge action. So like one of these options is a brutal charge and that's plus two movement plus one strength. Um, and so that doesn't necessarily exist in the normal rules, but it's definitely a streamlined way to play. Um, an enemy warband, and it like gives, pumps up their power in a way that tries to balance the loss of ability cards. And so I thought those were really cool and felt good. And like, you know, when the Ideneth uh, kind of uh, thrall came in and like, like you know, had that plus one strength against my orcs, which was super meaningful, and that seven inches of movement to get in there. And then I rolled like, you know, double sixes and a five. I was like, oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> we're playing for keeps now. Um, so I think those were really cool. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought it was a really nice touch to add some ability-like effects into the, the behavior tables. And um, he also did a really good job describing kind of a priority order of what to activate first in your in, in the opposing warband. So I thought that was nice to, you know, kind of like, oh, do I do the leader or this one? Or, you know, it's closest. But okay, even if it's closest, go in this order. Oh, great. Made it easy. Yeah, I really like, like, as much... As, as, as many things as you can do to reduce the mental load as the person trying to play both warbands, um, I think was really valuable. And so just like always being able to choose like the closest and like working my way out from like the middle of the scrum out to the edges uh, mm-hmm. felt very intuitive. He also um, adds uh, some really nice clarity around how to handle ranged attacks, which I thought was great, you know, because sometimes that can be confusing for people in terms of, oh, do I... Do I move until I can use an attack? Yes, you you stop. You can if you can use a ranged attack at ten inches, you you move until you can shoot. You know somebody. You don't have to move all the way up to one inch and not use your ranged attack. So he did a nice job of clarifying that too. Very cool. Anything else you guys want to talk about this uh, the experience playing this game? I think this. Well, we'll talk about it at the end. Kind of like one of the what are the, what are the things you need to think about slash worry about in any kind of solo game like this. Um, but I think it's not specific to the Lonesome Road, so I'll save it for the end. Sounds good. All right, um, Josh, you played another rule set. Why don't you talk about where you found the rule set and the and the author, and then your experience? Definitely. 
So the, the second uh, solo rule set I found was created by somebody named Neil Forrester, and it was on the Warhammer Warcry Facebook group. Um, it is also a very nice uh, rule set, very simple. Um, they have a much uh, smaller behavior table, just, uh, you know, one through six, just a single behavior table. Um, but in this particular rule set, they, he encourages you to take 25% more in your opposing warband. That way it's more of a challenge, I guess. Uh, he also does a great job of kind of describing how to divide the battle groups, how to determine who goes first, and, um, you know, and how the, the models will move. Um, and instead of kind of limiting the twists and victory conditions or providing a list like in the previous set, uh, Neil, in this particular case, he decided to stick with the um, the, rule, the particular scenarios in match play from the Tome of Champions. So there's six scenarios in there. Uh, most of them are objective or treasure-based, but there is one that's claiming quarters and another one for um, uh, escaping the board. So he, um, he kind of describes how to handle objectives and treasures in the rule set. But, um, and I think, you know, you could just treat quarters or, or leaving the table as, as objectives and rule sets too. So that, that, that should work out quite well. But uh, it was simple to play through. Again, fairly straightforward in terms of determining which models should activate when. And, you know, what to do, you know, if they're closest or if they're injured or anything like that. And, you know, again, the behavior table was, was simpler. Um, so, you know, one, one rule set had a more complex behavior table, which was kind of fun to play with. But if you're just looking for a more streamlined, you know, this one also has, a, you know, just one table to roll on. And the, and the models will behave in a certain way that still lends some good gameplay. Nice. Uh, I think uh, just like the previous rule set, a lot of these behaviors include uh, ability-like um, actions, you know, like moving and then attacking, or in some cases, a, a rush or an onslaught, you know, instead of having the opposing warband role for initiative like it did, you know, in, in a typical Warcry game. Yeah, and I had an opportunity to play um, a, um, a solo game created by a Twitter follower named at pseudonym, and uh, he had put this out to us some time ago. He's um, uh, from, or he's a he's a French uh, Frenchman, I believe. And so this was not written in his first language, um, but he did a fantastic job. And uh, some of the interesting things that he chose to do, um, and it, we'll see this kind of. Th I'm hearing this theme throughout this. Um, he gave the warband some advantage in terms of initiative dice. You still roll initiative dice, um, but uh, any uh, if you have four singles, they become a quad. If you have three singles, they become a triple. If you get two singles, they play become a double. Um, so you automatically gain um, some things uh, for, no matter what you roll. It so kind of increasing the the power level of the the what he coined as the non-player warband, the NPW. Uh, so if you're familiar with any role-playing games or whatever, the NPC. Then um, he had a nice uh, if-then statement, which. Uh, is universal for any, he has a number of different um, uh, non-player warbands to play against. Uh, and so this is basically if the enemy model can target, an, uh, or if if one of these models can target one of your models the, with a range attack, they'll go with a range attack. If they can target them, uh, if they can choose to, um, if they can't do a range attack, then they'll do a melee attack. If they can't do a melee attack or a range attack, then they'll move towards the closest enemy model. So real simple, uh, you know, kind of behavioral things that are, that are for general. And then uh, he put in rules for 
uh, Squigs, Flesh Eater Quartz, Bone Splitters, Night Haunt, uh, and Trogoths, each one of those having a special rule that he created. So they behave in a certain characterful way that makes them a little bit kind of, you know, kind of gives them um, just a mood or a, a feel. Um, when this, he had actually, uh, when I reached out to him about this, he had kind of added some more stuff to it. So the, the one I actually played, I think had a, had a second edition to it. Um, but, uh, the game was a, a trog herd. You have, uh, three, uh, trogoths, uh, marching through town, uh, and you've got to keep them from getting to the board edge. Um, and it was, uh, you know, all of the, the mechanics played real simply having those, um, having all that, those abilities to work with, if you had, you know, at least a couple of things to work with to give them range or something like that. Um, so it, it worked really smooth. It was, it was easy to kind of pick a priority, which model do we activate for the other team first without kind of our own biases. Um, and, and it was a lot of fun. We were able to play through, uh, two or three games and, and, uh, really enjoyed it. So we've talked about each of these um, games or, or scenarios in uh, generalities um, and what they each brought or did a little bit differently. Um, before we kind of get into more crunchy rules, what, what could we see, um, what we'd like to see, et cetera, um, why don't we just talk about what, a little bit more about the experience of playing solo. You know, you alluded to it a bit, Pavent, in terms of, you know, jokingly, it's a lot to keep track of, et cetera. Um, but... Did you enjoy it? Did you have fun playing on your own? Was it something that, that you, you know, we did it for this episode, but is it something you think that you're going to keep, keep trying to, to get some games in? Um, so, um, I don't know if you want to kick us off, Josh, what did you enjoy about playing it this way? Um, I think narratively is probably the right approach. And I think Paven did that well, it sounded like from his descriptions, I kind of went in with the play test mindset. And so, while I enjoyed the games, they probably didn't enjoy them quite as much as Pavin did, <laughs> but at least from the sounds of it. Um, I do think, um, you know, if you want to get a game in and you want to try out, you know, maybe some of your terrain or try out the, you know, a new warband or try some different strategies or models, I think this is a great way to do it. It obviously, you know, it's not as fun as playing with another player, but uh, I did enjoy myself. And um, I think it'd be really good for some of the challenge battles, too, if you're when you're playing against some of those other warbands or other factions guarding a treasure this is a great way to do that and still have some of your campaign games to go along absolutely Paven what did you uh, how did you enjoy it was this something that yeah. felt like is going to sustain you uh, it was fun I don't think it's going to like it doesn't quite have you know I really like playing against other people like I really like the yeah, yeah. social aspect of the games that's like the thing that's the most fun and the kind of creating a narrative um, as you go um, and it's just like not quite it's not quite there in the solo experience it was still fun like it was, it was a cool way to spend a, an evening but um, you know I don't think it gets over the uh, you know over the line for me as far as like kind of my hobby time I think I'd like you know if I'm going to do something by myself for you know an hour I think I'd rather I think I'd just prefer to paint um, but it was still fun I'd recommend people try them and tweak them um, so that's kind of my you know overall thought yeah yeah no and I I did really enjoy it. And one of the things, um, there was kind of an advantage, uh, with young kids is that, uh, when I talk to my son about it, he's a little bit competitive, which also means he doesn't want to lose. Um, uh, so when I told him that he and I were going to play on a team, 
against uh, these Trogoths, um, it got him excited. So it started off a little bit narrative and cooperative. Uh, one of the one of the scenarios is two players versus AI, and so we started off there, um, and then we moved to we're both playing on one warband, and then uh, my youngest is is four, and so it was easy for us to have the the AI to make decisions for what they're going to do, and then she could roll dice. Um, yeah. Uh, so there's some aspects of that, uh, you know, I definitely didn't have to play it by myself. That being said, um, I could definitely see it from an entertainment, uh, perspective. If I wanted to set up my cool models and take some photos and put them out on Twitter, this is a fun way to kind of have an engine to play through to kind of not know what's going to happen. Right. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, which that, that element of surprise is really, I think invaluable. Right. Um, Eric, can I uh, can I say two things? Yes, you can. Uh, first is yeah, I definitely took a bunch of pictures, and that was uh, a really a great deal of enjoyment for me because I got to use the terrain, I got to use all my painted models, and they are on the Discord. To if you want to check those out, so shout out to the Discord. Shout uh, out. Is it, the, is it the Mortal Realms Discord? Uh, I should I should have that in the back pocket. It's one of those. the mortalrealms.com forward slash Discord. There you go. Uh, great job great assist slam dunk um, and, yeah yeah touchdown and the other thing i wanted to say is i didn't think about including the children eric and that is a great insight i think well, my two-year-old's probably still just gonna put him in his mouth but uh yeah my seven-year-old might be down for like you know a, co- a cool co-op experience and now my mind is running a little wild that maybe we could each get a hero model and then just play against like waves of goblins or something and that could be uh, that could be fun uh, bonding. Yeah. So I, 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 I've become inspired. It's what I do. I, it's just <laughs> what I do. Um, where I think then uh, to to kind of go next, um, I really appreciated Josh that you were coming at it from the play test mindset. The three of us have done some kind of brainstorming on rules and mechanics versus narrative, all kind of stuff. Um, what were some common themes uh, that we could start picking out in terms of how people tried to solve? the problem of the AI is not smart enough or if there's not another person behind it. Um, I mean, I think the behavior tables are, are a great way to do this. I think the challenge, um, you know, that I had, you know, and uh, I think this is true when you're, you know, in, in other games where you play against an AI is if you know what that AI function is, you could try to game the system. And, you know, and so you just got to be, I think you have to go into it with a narrative mindset and say, okay, I'm going to play, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to try and move the AI models, you know, in a logical manner. And if the rule set's not clear, you know, go with what's fun, what makes sense to you. You know, what would you do in that case? And then I think it, it it flows really smoothly when you do that. And if you just kind of get in the mindset of, okay, this, you know, this is the rule set I'm starting with. I'm going to play it like this. We're going to flow with it narratively, have fun, and not try to game the system. And I think you're going to have a lot more fun. Right. I think that, um, yeah, it's, it's the issue of, of needing to give the war band, the, the non-player war, war bands, I'll use uh, pseudonyms term, uh, to up their power level a bit, um, so that it compensates for, you know, a human brain, uh, behind them. Right. Um, so they're a lot more, you know, make them a little more dangerous, make them a little bit more, um, um, fast hitting, right. Um, or, or do more damage quickly, um, so that you have to, uh, you have to watch your step. You can't just go in and 
uh, expect to over maybe you know overwhelm them. One of the you know we've we've found this when it comes to monsters is that if you outnumber them and overwhelm them, you'll do fine, right? You yeah. tend to do all right. Um, and so finding uh, the next thing I think I've I, I think I see is that. Uh, certain kinds of objectives are going to maybe be better for uh, certain kinds of uh, models or enemies. So, um, so for instance, Trogoths. Well, so the game I played was a get to get off the the board edge kind of game, and we've talked about this before. Is that that one is a hard one to even just play against a, an opponent, um, uh, just because of the amount of time that you have, etc. Um, so in this case. Uh, I think coming up with with scenarios that suit the 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 non-player warband. I don't know that the the AI is going to be well suited for just flipping cards um, or as fun with just flipping cards as much as kind of customizing what what warband goes with which scenario narratively, but also where the mechanics just help. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Trogoths that uh, you know in one turn I had one vomit like six times or, or eight times, uh, and it could do a lot of damage to, you know, a couple of models, but what if that was a bigger spray and could hit more things and just, you know, uh, so uh, I really liked that pseudonym had a bunch of specialized rules to just kind of make them a little, the different warbands a little more deadly, a little bit more, um, uh, you know, specialized to what they're doing. But I think there's still some pitfalls to certain scenario types and certain objective types, mm-hmm. uh, victory condition types are like you said, easy to game. Um, was there anything that you tweaked? Was there anything that, that you changed? Was there anything that you kind of house ruled, uh, to kind of help your, uh, your enjoyment? Paven, did you, did you do anything different or, or fudge anything to, to make it more fun? No, no, I didn't change anything on the game I played. I wanted to play it straight up. I think, I don't know, like going, just kind of riffing off of kind of what you're saying about powering up the opponent. I, I think, yeah, I think there's a pretty far way you have to turn that knob in order to give yourself like a, a really run for your money, both because the AI is never going to be as good as a human and you're going to know what the AI is. So if you really want to like bring, bring your A game, you have a lot of you have a lot of tools at your disposal already, um, so. But I, I am curious to explore, um, maybe with, with my boy, uh, like kind of like a never-ending enemy warband where you're yeah. you know they just have like so many miniatures to bear and you're just trying to like fight your way through it and like outrun them and <laughs> I don't know it could be it could be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the 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 only way to really get around that is if you actually played it like playing against yourself in chess where, where you play both war bands exactly like you would play them rolling dice, you know, initiative abilities, but then that's a lot more work. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, um, one of the things that I, it made me think of too, is obviously when you play, if you play video games like, uh, you know, metal gear solid or one of those games where you're kind of a one versus many or whatnot, um, typically the level, you know, there's the, there, the levels are designed a certain way and you do learn the pattern, right? And the goal is to learn the pattern so well that you can beat it, right? If you don't, when you don't know the pattern, often you, you it get, catches you by surprise and it takes you out. Um, and so I think, 
you know, that's part of it here is like you said, you use the term game, the system, like there's going to be a certain amount of like, you know how to, you know that they're going to do this if you get this close. So stay just outside of this, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I think that that can be okay if you can design a significant amount of random. So I, uh, mine didn't have a random table, but you mentioned a, a, a maybe a random behavior table, um, which seemed like could be a really good place to to explore next. Where, you know, randomly, um, an, the one of the non-player warband models gets extra move. Right? Um, you, you didn't expect it. You you know, it already activated, but oh, now it can activate another model. Um, <clears throat> And it's going to activate based on this, this, and this. So you kind of gamble and you're like, oh, okay, no, it can do that, but maybe it won't do that. Um, so adding some randomness, I think, can help make it unexpected and not gameable, yep. I guess. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, what are some other thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say, I think the behavior tables do a, a pretty good job. You know, in the, the Lonesome Road, there's, you know, three three tables in the larger table, you know, all based on how close you are to the opposing model, you know, so it's within one inch, uh, you know, outside of one inch, but less than 12 and then more than 12. And, and then you roll D six for each of those. And I thought that was a nice way to provide a lot of different options based on the distance. And, um, and I think the only way, you know, you can really game it is like, okay, well, I know if I'm outside of 12 inches, they're going to do this, but, or they'll move towards the closest model, which, you know, which makes sense. But, uh, but I thought that added a little bit more complexity and made it harder to gain the system, so to speak, you know, where yeah. you had more randomness or more potential activity from the opposing warband, which was a really nice touch. Yeah. Paven, any other thoughts in terms of random or, you know, making it so that you can't anticipate the AI? Yeah, I, I, I think, the, yeah, the random element is definitely fun. Um, I, although sometimes, uh, you know, the AI will do something inexplicable. Yeah. <laughs> you're like all right okay um i mean that can certainly add a very like fun moment where like the mons like you know the monster's just about to crush you and then wanders away um so i'm I, i'm cool i'm cool with randomness <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i think i think it's important too for um like so th this one worked with some g uh global uh if then statements right mm -hmm. um and I think it could be good if the if then were maybe tied to the victory condition, right? Um, if you have a run off the table victory condition, but the if then statement is um, attack closest enemy model, uh, it's your the that warband's maybe working against its own benefit, right? right? How do you get? How do you for each scenario type or whatever? How do you get the warband working for its benefit for its goals, and then? Yeah, like you know, corn hits them and they rage out, and that then they it it waylays their plans because it goes you know towards an enemy model, or maybe there's that you know puts that effect on you. You have a plan, but something keeps you from being able to have full control over one activation or something like that. Um, so I think when you've got an AI versus a human and it's evenly matched, that the human has has the advantage, and it may come, it may not. Uh, maybe less uh, intense or um, you know nail bitey than than we're used to playing with Warcry. Um, but Paven, you said crank that up higher than you'd expect to go. You know, um, I always think of Vince talks about uh, thinning paints, and he goes first you thin your paints, and if you think you got them thin enough, then thin them more. 
if you think they're thin <laughs> enough, then no, 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 thin them more. Um, so you gotta, you gotta kind of press that a little bit. Um, and then introduce some random so that you can't anticipate so that you are surprised, um, uh, and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, match those, match those motivations up with, with the, the objective. This isn't easy, uh, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Any other, um, comments or, or cracking the code of, of AI, anything else that had come to mind while we were playing or, or, uh, uh, kind of working it out or chatting with people on, uh, discord or else. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, my biggest advice would be to, um, you know, in cases where it's unclear, you know, what the AI is supposed to do, just, you know, play with it narratively. It's like, oh, okay, well, it's engaged, you know, should I, would it move away? No, it'll probably just attack twice unless, unless it's objective is to move away. So just kind of think about it narratively, think about what makes sense and roll with it and have fun. You know, then I think you'll enjoy the game. Yeah. Paven, any other tips or advice for getting into solo uh yeah i don't know if I have any good tips but like some i was like procrastinating on setting it up just because i had to get out all my things um so my tip is like get, just get everything out like ready to go and like don't commit yourself to playing but get everything ready and then it'll be much easier to do it as your <laughs> homework for your podcast <laughs> uh, um i'll say I'll say um, what's nice is that you don't have to play a game all in one sitting. Um, we obviously with the kids, we got, you know, called up for dinner, called up for, you know, got to take baths, got to do a bunch of stuff. And so we fit it in uh, over, you know, in little like 20 minute segments, which is also good for kids. If, you know, something's going to take a long time. Uh, like you can set it in a, like you can save, right. Hit save, hit pause, um, let it rest and then come back to it. And you have the, you know, you just can rely, I'm going to go this, you just mark which one's going next, et cetera. Um, so there's a little bit of something different than when we're playing with other people, when we're playing at a store, when we've got a limited amount of time to play where we're trying to rush through, you can take your time with this. You can set it up. You can enjoy the setup even more. Um, I painted up a whole war band just because it was like, Hey, I get to play a game of war cry. I haven't done that in weeks. I'm going to yeah. make it special. Um, so, um, you know, it's, if nothing else, uh, you can, there's a, there's a few things you can do differently than your normal games, uh, that, that can give you some advantage, uh, in the circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, if I can't get my stepson to play with me, is he trying some of these rule sets that try out some of the challenge battles, you know, like the one you fight against is each war band, you know, it's like, Oh, I can, you know, I can now simulate that, see how that actually works. So I'm looking forward to some of that. Yeah. Um, there is a, a, a YouTube channel I follow where they have come out with a new like VR game and it has a time trial on it. Um, and uh, so it's one person, you know, you go in and you try and get through the obstacle course in the fastest amount of time. Uh, that would be kind of an interesting uh, use case for a uh, solo play where you put up a scenario, you know, you put one of those mega gargants or just a gargant on the table, um, some AI and uh, a warband uh, count and you say okay uh, hit record on your camera and uh, see how long it takes you to to beat this guy um, you know how many rolls or how many turns or something like that um, and have some fun with uh, time trials or um, something I don't know something goofy to just uh, break up the monotony share it with other people 
uh, have have a communal goal, um, you know, a raid type thing that we're all uh, trying to to do um, mm-hmm. and, and see how it goes. So yeah, that'd be cool. All right. Um, anything else that we want to talk about topics or or broad or detailed before we get out of here? Uh, I think you know mainly just uh, you know keep hopping. You know we're all you know struggling through these times together, but there's a lot of fun things that we can do to focus and and de-stress and you know playing Warcry, painting models, working on terrain, just coming up with new ideas. Just give it a go. Just a quick shout out um, to Doug at Two Plus Tough, uh, to Neil Forster in the Warhammer Warcry Facebook group, and to uh, pseudonym. Uh, for posting, for putting these together, taking the time to write this up and put it out to the community so that we could try this out. I hope that uh, many, if you if you haven't had a chance to play it, go ahead and play it and give your feedback to them. Um, I'm sure they would love to know that people are playing it, enjoying it, and it would help them uh, take it to the next level. And then we all benefit from that if they're if they're interested and engaged in it. So, uh, thank you guys again uh, for for providing that for the community. All right, now Pavend. Well, I just want to kind of talk, wrap up the season, like explicitly. Okay. <laughs> this is the end of season two. I want to mark the occasion and then maybe talk a little bit about kind of what our plans are for the future. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, season two, episode eight, this is our 16th episode in, in roughly six months, eight months. Um, uh, we've, been doing a, a pretty good job uh, except for when I can't uh, make an edit of getting out bi-weekly and obviously we hope that uh, you listeners it seems like you're enjoying this and uh, sharing this so thank you what we're going to do is obviously we're going to take a bit of a break like we did between season one and season two um, we've got obviously uh, the wrapping up of a lot of things we're in an interesting time so we're going to take this time to just evaluate we're not certain when uh, when we're returning with season three just yet, but obviously we'll keep in touch. Uh, we'll we'll share that. Um, uh, what are your guys' uh, thoughts on either next season or um, in between seasons or or whatnot? Uh, Paven, you got any plans? You got any hopes? Well, well, well. Um, yeah. I will first. Uh, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Eric. This has been a great season. Uh, I really enjoyed being on it. Uh, thank you, audience. We're we're having a blast. I'm having a blast. Um, I think some things we can look forward to. Um, so we're gonna bring home the Circle of Paint challenge altogether. We're all super excited for, um, you know, uh, the results. Hearing hearing back from the community, showing off what we've done, and also kind of playing the. Uh, I don't know what the right call is. The I guess the circle of pain game, um, <laughs> where where the the winner the winner gets to take it to the losers. I guess in their own house, yeah. or, or however we're gonna configure that. So that's always a fun game. Um, Are uh, we gonna play our our original war bands in that house? The ones we played I mean, in, the, up, in the last. It's up to the, the I think the winner of the challenge gets to set all of the rules of the of the yeah. game we play. I mean, it would be it would be a shame to win, you know, that awesome last challenge and then not be able to use those toys. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, <laughs> if you win this challenge, you can, you know, make the rules, Eric. Um, so I don't know that, that's, that's going to happen. Excited. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I think one item idea we've like, okay, so thinking about future, other future things we can do in a non-binding way. Um, is I think we've talked a lot about like new new season new warband, 
and each of us picking a new warband at the beginning of the season and kind of like building it and playing it throughout the season is a common thread. Maybe it's something uh, our listeners uh, can do along with us. That that would be really fun. It would also be super great if we can time it to time it with like kind of this new wave of Warcry releases whenever that happens. Um, yep. That would be really fun and exciting to do. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys what do you guys hope for the future? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, again, I'm looking forward to the our 8.5 episode where we get to discuss how we think we did on our Circle of Paint Challenge and, and sharing those pictures and our progress. Um, but I'm also, you know, I think uh, Eric and I might be open to having our listeners help decide which four bands we tackle in the next season. So I'm currently thinking about... Well, you'd mentioned before, potentially. I'm not going to bind you to that. No, and I, 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 I got a little bit of pushback on that. Um, uh, but I wanted uh, to make it more fun for you listeners. Everyone else here wanted to make it more fun for themselves. Super selfish. Yeah. I will never let anybody else make my hobby choices for me. No, no. And that's it is. fine. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. So, so I was just saying, never. I'm not going to force you. I said two, two or three of us. Might be, you know, we willing to open it up to have the listeners help decide which four bands we tackle in season two. Yeah. All so, your, so, all your suggestions go right here into this, uh, <laughs> in this trash can by my microphone. <laughs> I'm gonna try and bribe listeners so that they pick the warband I already have painted. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get my fleet of bots up and running for my Twitter voting. Uh, um. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the other things, um, yeah. So, what was I going to put? Um, we are obviously the Mortal Realms still has episodes coming out with uh, the story phase. Uh, so, if uh, you want to catch up on some old Black Library, Age of Sigmar uh, novels and short stories and whatnot, uh, you can go over to back over to the Mortal Realms and listen to um, uh, the lore from uh, various battle tomes from novels etc and we're having a good time over there um uh, if you're playing any um underworlds online uh then you can go check out some episodes from what the hacks um learning more about that and see if that applies to warhammer or underworlds online um one of the uh, just kind of an aside for you nerds that are in the into the age of sigmar um environment the the world um the the Age of Sigmar roleplay game Soulbound is going to be coming out soon, um, and so uh, you know if you're into roleplaying games and are interested in in playing a I don't know why I kind of gibbered there. Oh no, the visions, the visions are back. <laughs> ah, ah, oh, oh. If you if you're interested in playing a Sigmarite clad warrior from uh, Azir, uh, shooting down in lightning and and uh, thumping fools with your hammer, then that can be a, a fun game uh, in addition to all the other um, uh, Order Alliance um, archetypes that you get to play. Um, yeah, so that's going to be coming out soon, and, and, and maybe the Mortal Realms will have, uh, have some things and coverage on that and uh, talk about that uh, soon as well. So, um, yeah, um, I'm excited for for what's coming next in Warcry, that little peak with the, the canine shadow stalkers um, means that they've just got so much more in the pipe. And uh, if this last year was exciting, 
um, having something brand new. I can't wait to see what they do when they take it up to 11 um, and what they've got in store for it next. So hopefully we can keep chatting about it, keep playing. Um, and, you know, obviously when we do have an opportunity to play together again, um, as with everybody else listening, we're all really going to have a lot of, of really cool things to come back to. And as one last element, you know, we do have the uh, uh, multiplayer scenario we developed this season, and um, we've been waiting to hold off on that until we can actually all play multiplayer games again. And then we, I promise we will release that for everybody to try out. So, Absolutely. Now that has a little bit of AI in it, doesn't it? it a little bit, yep. Uh, so maybe we should, should see if that could adapt to a, a single player. Um, but uh, But yeah. All right. Any last words, gentlemen? I'm looking forward to our Circle of Paint Challenge and uh, next season. Then uh, thank you all for listening. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. It's time to put a muzzle on this episode. If it was a good, good dog, support the show with a positive review on iTunes, sharing it with friends, joining us for hobby discussions at themotorrealms.com forward slash discord, or leave a tip at themotorrealms.com forward slash Patreon. More content is available at themortorrealms.com and on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry.